Welcome to Well Fed, a podcast for hungry creatives. I'm your host, John Sarantino, a designer based out of New York. And on this podcast, I speak to some of my creative heroes to learn from their experiences and discover the ingredients to grow within the creative industry. On this episode, my guest is Puno, the founder, creative director, and teacher of the education platform, I Love Creatives. I Love Creatives focuses on developing courses that are applicable to a number of creative roles today, but takes it to a whole new level with Puno's sense of humor and amazing art direction. I think the word she used to describe it was edutainment, and I couldn't agree more with that. Some of the courses they offer include Squarespace design, video editing, and Instagram content planning, and I highly recommend checking out ilovecreatives.com if any of these sound interesting to you. Before we get into the episode, I just want to share a few things with you. First, if you want to stay up to date with the podcast, you can head over to wellfedpodcast.com where I have all the episodes as well as videos and articles with tips for creatives just like you. Second, for this season, I just launched a Slack group that you can join by going to wellfedpodcast.com slash community. There you can share work and connect with other designers, illustrators, and photographers from all over the world. Last but not least, I'm doing free one-on-one portfolio reviews over Zoom for anyone that signs up for the newsletter on the website, wellfedpodcast.com. I've already had a few of these with listeners, and we've talked about things like getting more clients, ways to present your work on your website, and a bunch of other topics. All you have to do is sign up for the newsletter over at wellfedpodcast.com. Now that we got that out of the way, I hope you enjoy this episode. Kuno, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Wellfed. Um, you know, to be quite honest, I first found you when I was, I came across one of your ads for I Love Creatives and the Squarespace, um, you know, course that you put together. And, you know, I was kind of just stopped immediately because of how creative and how different it was of an approach that you had put together versus, you know, all the other online courses out there. Um, I dug a little deeper, got to, you know, figure out what you do, what you're about. And immediately I knew in the future at some point, because this is maybe a a year or so ago that I had to have you as a guest on the podcast. So thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah. Ooh, you got, you went down that rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Of course. There's always, there's always a good reason, or at least I like to think that, you know, the guests I have on here are people I really admire or, you know, kind of just caught me, catch me off guard or inspire me in some way. And I definitely, you know, knew that I had to have you as a guest on. Oh, thanks, so. John. No Those problem. ads, man, that, that, I don't know how much that click through rate would cost Facebook, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Um, so Puno, before, uh, we kind of get into your background and your career and everything that you've done, uh, I like to start off each episode this season with what I'm calling five questions in 50 seconds. Um, now there's no real timer on here, so feel free to expand if you'd like. Um, but if you're ready, I'll go ahead and ask you the first question. Okay, let's do it. All right. If you had to give up bread or cheese, what would it be? Cheese. Reluctantly. I think it's just because I really love bread. Yeah. And that's a lot of guests also say that as well. (laughs) Priorities. Totally. Um, What's your sign? Gemini. Do you find that like the qualities are totally in line with what, how you are as a person? I don't know. I, it's really hard because I don't, I don't really um, look into it a lot, but Mm. I love talking about it. Um, (laughs) Meaning anytime someone asks me like, what's your sign or, and they're like, oh yeah, Gemini's, I love it. Cause it's so fun. Cause it's like, how intimate of, can you get with a person so quickly, you know? Um, And horoscopes kind of do that, but I don't know. I mean, sure. Yeah. Like, I feel like 
I'm probably a little bit of every sign at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like a big, uh, for some reason, I find I've been asked that a lot being around New York and it is like kind of an interesting conversation starter because usually the person asking that knows a lot about it and you're like, okay, cool. Tell me, tell me everything you know. Yeah. About me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, cat or dog? Oof. I love both, but like, you know, right now I have a cat, so she would be pretty mad if I said dog. <laughs> <laughs> of course. If you could eat one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be? I think uh, soup. Interesting. Is there a particular <laughs> soup or or just soup in general? All soups. This is my way of trying to negotiate with you and your question and just be like, <laughs> I'm just going to get soup. And then that was a great way for me to like get all the soups. Lobster bisque, clam chowder, chicken noodle. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. And uh, last question, Spotify or Apple Music? Oh, I think Spotify. I've not given Apple Music a chance, though, because I've already spent so much time feeding the Spotify algorithm. You know, like, why do you want to go through that again? It's basically like another relationship. You're invested. You're definitely invested by now. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So Puno, I, you are located out in California. Are you in Los Angeles? Yeah, I'm in downtown LA. How um, how long have you been there? Did you grow up there? You know, what's your background on that? Yeah, I actually grew up in Texas, in Houston, and um, lived there, and then went to school in Austin, Texas, at UT, and then had a stint like six months in Dallas, um, Deep Ellum, anybody? And then, and then, um, kind of couldn't do Texas anymore. And my husband or boyfriend at the time was in LA. And so I came out, I actually transferred out to Los Angeles. I was working at an advertising agency as a junior art director and I transferred out to, um, their sister office in LA and then, um, have lived here ever since. And I think, you know, LA is this huge huge city, it's right? Massive. Yeah. Massive. 10 million people and um all these little sections of the city. And so for the first eight years of my LA life, I was living in Venice because I was in the agency world. And then I went into video gaming, which is still on the West side, and then um quit that and decided to move to the east side and downtown LA specifically, which was at the time or and still is growing, like mm -hmm. back and coming back alive, if you will. I remember the first time I traveled to LA and San Francisco and just seeing how vast California is because it's like a New York City on steroids, basically, right? Like every, there's so many little pockets of areas and neighborhoods and people are sort of, you know, no, that's not, that's not this area. That's this area. Yeah. It's kind of like New York is like pizza dough. And then LA is like pizza crust because it's out in the sun more and it's way more spread out. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Keeping it, keeping it very food oriented here on Well Fed. I like that. Um, you mentioned you went to University of Texas, UT. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. And did you did you kind of go for art design? Did you know that like going into college? Well, so I didn't even realize that there was like an art school or like a design school. Like I didn't think about that, even though my aunt was a graphic designer. Um, she didn't, I don't think she, did she go to 
gosh, I don't even remember if she went to design school. I don't think she did, but maybe she did. Shoot. Well, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but um, I just went to business because I I don't know. I was I didn't know what to do. And I think that I wanted to be a business person. But I, you know, when you're a freaking senior in high school, you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, you're like just clueless. Yeah, I did. I for a minute when I was in high school, I thought I wanted to become a plastic surgeon because okay. I, um, my school was it was pretty good. It had these like um, vocational schools that you could also go to. So I went to a medical rotation for like my senior year and I got a taste of every single department in the hospital. Um, like, and, and just like in the medical industry. So we were, I was even in the morgue. I went to a radiologist for, I went to a plastic surgeon Whoa. and, um, realized though that I was like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> so you took like a deep dive young in your, you know, as you were younger in, in the whole medical field. That's kind of cool. Yeah. I really wish that everybody had that opportunity with like any industry that they wanted to do. It's mm-hmm. just like two weeks in every single, um, place and just see like, oh, that's how the radiologist jokes. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you went into UT for business. How did you come out as an art, as an art director? Oh, that's a great question. So um, I I really did not enjoy my time at business school. Um, I was um, I was getting a marketing bachelor's, and all of my classes just felt so archaic. Even though you know we were at the cusp of like internet, so this is two thousand two, and 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 like Facebook had just kind of started, like. YouTube, I don't even know if YouTube existed at that time or was just existing. And I knew that there was this thing called internet. um, And I I felt like more excited about that than about like the kinds of marketing that we were learning. And so I just was really frustrated. And my last year, I had an interview with Microsoft and they didn't, I didn't get the job. Also, I got um, feedback about what clothes I was wearing, which is like weird. Yeah. Um, they gave me like this brochure that was like, you should wear a blazer with a pencil, a black pencil skirt. And I'm all like, Oh, hell no. I'm gonna look like I work at Luby's. Like, (laughs) yeah, that's nuts. So, um, I got really mad. Um, and then I cut off all my hair. And so I just had like a faux hawk. Nice. Yeah. And uh, my mom did it for me too. And uh, and then, but then I was screwed, right? Because it's like six months until I graduate. And I was like, oh no, what did I do? Like, what am I going to do now? So I thought, okay, well, you know, I'll start, I'll start a business. And so I had this idea because my friends at the time, they were all in the advertising department and they were all having really, really tough time finding jobs because at the time there wasn't internet, right? So they had to buy airplane tickets and go to portfolio shows in Chicago, New York, LA, Miami. And um, that's expensive. You have to, yeah. There's no, you know, not everybody can do that. And also, I mean, think about it. You've got your student portfolio and you're showing the student portfolio to a creative director. Ugh. 
and you're bringing it on a plane like that's already so precious you're like oh man nothing's gonna make it there in in one piece (laughs) my print ad it's getting yeah exactly so um i was like i wanted to um try to help them so i i like found this um guy on craigslist this programmer and i was like let's make a app that allows people to upload their portfolio and then i'll get all these creative directors to look at it and then that'll be an easier way for them to blah 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 which is so funny right in in like hindsight this is like 2004 this is like the behance and dribble before they were a thing (laughs) totally 2006 right so then um I did that and I was like, okay, I'm going to go. I bought a ticket to um, Chicago or New York. I don't remember, but I went to one of those cities and um, went to snuck in to one of the portfolio reviews. Nice. And um, But I didn't have a portfolio. I just had my Toshiba laptop and I opened it up and I was like, okay, I know that this is not a portfolio, but I wanted to show you this website that I made that you can upload. It was called smashtheworld.net and <laughs> you could upload your portfolio and blah, 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 blah. And then so many creative directors were so mad um, and were just like, didn't know what to do with me. And it was just really freaking awkward. But then this one guy, Arturo um, from BBDO, he was like, that's cool. And he was like, what else do you have on the internet? And I was like, oh, um, well, I made this like HTML page that has like some stuff I wrote on it. And it was like, I had this one story about an ant that bit me in the eye. And um, it was like really profane, but it was funny. And he was like, wow, you really, you write really well. Like you write how you talk. And I was like, oh, wow. Writing how you talk is writing well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I used to I used to do that, but then also my spelling and grammar are terrible, so it uh, doesn't really work out for me. <laughs> but hey, you had it. You can fix that these days now. <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, so um, he was like, well, have he's like, I can't believe that you built this website. He's like, have you heard of interactive advertising? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And <laughs> um, at the time, interactive advertising, which is basically now that doesn't even exist. Advertising is online. So um, at the time they had another division or department or, you know, whatever in these advertising agencies that were doing just online marketing, online ads. And Mm. he was like, have you ever thought about doing that? And I was like, at this point, after being rejected by so many people, I was like, tell me more. (laughs) I like, (laughs) I want a job. Absolutely. I, yes, I interactive. I've been there. I can't wait. I do a lot of interacting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so um, he was like, well, give me your number and let's keep in touch. And maybe I can get you uh, to do a small project with me. And so I went back home and he gave me a freelance. This was my fir- first freelance gig. I had to write um, diary entries for this Target microsite. Um, and I did that. I was pretty awful at it, to be honest, like looking back, but, um, it was my first taste into what that was like. And then, um, because I was just so adamant about like getting creative directors on there, I emailed every single creative director, this freaking website, right? How did you go about finding their emails? 
because there was no there's no real I, I mean maybe there was LinkedIn I, I don't know time but um, I imagine that was kind of tedious oh yeah totally and it wasn't a I didn't find a lot but I every single creative director I could find I would send it to or I would just straight up send it to the agency you know hello at email mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah so I sent that and then this one other creative director um, saw it and was like, I'd love for you to come in um, and interview for an interactive uh, position because we're trying to find interactive creatives. And so it was in Dallas. I went over there and then um, they offered me a job. And he was like, you're totally not qualified. Like he said it straight (laughs) to my face. He was like, his name's Skojo. And he was like, you are not qualified. um, But there's something about you. <laughs> That's cool. That's great. So there's so there's a lot of uh, kind of like in between projects, in between work that you were and networking that you were doing before you landed at. I'm guessing this is when you landed at DDB. Uh, tribal, yeah, Tribal DDB. Mm-hmm. That's cool. What what kind of projects were you, were you still doing? Interactive, like you know, projects there. Were you doing you know different stuff? What was that like? Yeah, I I mean it was my crash course. Okay, so also he was like what so, you know, what do you want to do? Do you want to be an art director or a copywriter? And I I, I thought I had failed at copywriting cuz I never got another gig again, so I was like art director. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Good choice. I feel like that that's like the 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 good choice in that in that equation. I really I do wish I could pick both because I I love I love writing just as much now. Um, but I don't know. It's really hard to separate the two, but I understand why they did it back then. But um, anyway, so yeah, so I picked art director and then um, had to learn Photoshop and had to learn Illustrator and Flash and um, Dreamweaver and all of the good stuff, HTML. <laughs> um, so for the first six months, all I was doing was like, learn I, I you know tuts to, uh is it tuts tuts plus t-u-t-s yeah, yeah, yeah. yep i've seen them i got all those magazines because <laughs> web no not really yeah, like no I one had anything had, on the web at the moment i had magazines and cd-roms and <laughs> was like <laughs> learning from all of these things and um staying late up late 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 um up at night till like midnight uh, worked extra hours just so I can get really fast at the programs, did a lot of email banners, microsites. Um, and then finally I, they always let junior designers pitch, um, concepts, even though they knew they were usually trash. (laughs) Um, so I, I would stay up all night working on these comps. I mean, and if I think about it, (laughs) I wasn't really doing anything. I was like, shifting a button like a couple of pixels or you know i thought that i was designing but i really wasn't i was just shifting um and then one of my junior um one of my senior art directors was just like helping me out she was frustrated with me but she she gave me a lot of feedback (laughs) that's cool that's that was i mean that's awesome that's nice of her yeah kelly mccullough yeah she helped me a lot and gave me a lot of like helped me figure out how to find inspo and, um, and then I finally, I got really fast and I got really, um, I, I guess like confident 
in six months because I really put in the work. And then that's when I asked to be transferred. And he was actually, he was down to like, uh, my, my uh, boss is down to transfer me. So that's cool. So, so you went from a business degree, having no experience, no like technical skills whatsoever in design, you know, the world of Photoshop, all that stuff to having this crash course within your first sort of position, learning everything as along the way and sort of getting the lay of the land. And then you transferred from Texas to the LA office. Mm-hmm. So you work up to, I guess, um, an art director at that point. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. And how long were you as an art director before you decided to move on? Well, till 2008. (laughs) So, so art direct, I, yeah, was an art director and then, um, got actually trans, they, they kind of like just closed down tribal because they realized that there's no, there's no reason to have separate, uh, agencies for web and for print and TV and blah, blah, blah. So they put them all together. And then I got hired in as an art director. I got a copywriter partner and I did, I worked on like TV. I worked on um, TV, like the whole thing, 360. Um, But I was still known as like the digital girl. So that was really helpful. It was so helpful to be for some reason thought of as the digital person because people would come to me all the time and bring me into their meetings or bring me into like brainstorms and be like, so what do you think digitally? So it it forced me to like (laughs) really research what the F was going on digitally in this industry. So I was like reading newsletters all the time. I was like, I was surfing the web hard, like all the time. Remember delicious? Yep. I had like mad delicious. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is like pre Pinterest, right? So uh, yeah, had a, just like, just knew as much as I could about everything. And then, um, actually ended up winning a really big project with Activision. Uh, and then I asked for a raise and then the 2008 recession happened and I got laid off. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. That's exact. That explains the timing. Okay. So, um, I'm guessing this project with Activision, you know, obviously doing a little bit of my research sort of bridges that connection with the company. And at some point after the recession or, you know, as things are starting to recover, you actually go to Activision as a UX user experience director. Well, so actually, um, before that I was a freelancer. So I was freelancing Mm -hmm. because uh, I got laid off and my husband was already a UX designer. And I, I knew just, you know, by watching him, what was going on because UX design just came up like right when the iPhone launched, it was like, that's when UX design became a thing. There was no more information architecture, blah, blah, blah. And so I kind of knew what he did already. And his boss, Tim, who's really an amazing guy, actually, you should totally interview him because he's so fun. I'm always taking suggestions. Absolutely. And, um, he evangelized, like, I feel like his job at the agency was to evangelize and promote and create talent for user experience. 
And so he like was like, I think you'd be really good at user experience, Puno. And I was like, I don't really know what that is. And he'd have to kind of explain what he thinks it is. And and then he asked me to just like apply. And so I did. And then other than that, I mean, I was like on my own, but <laughs> um, he ended up saying, um, asking me to be the UX, a UX designer for um, this Call of Duty project at Activision. And so that's when I started doing that. And when I was there, I think I realized at that point, again, just because, you know, just because I've been in all of these industries that are just popping up, like I was just in it with interactive advertising. Nobody knows what they're doing. We're all making <laughs> it up. Right. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so, yeah. So like I, the like I felt more confident because I already like the first six months of my entire career life, all I learned was how to learn. And like, that was like the, probably the most important thing. People are like, Oh wow. You learned Photoshop. I'm like, no, no, no. I learned how to be resourceful. I learned how to be frustrated and overcome that and then pop out of it and work on it again. Like that's what I learned. And so then because of that, I had all this confidence that I can learn anything I needed to, you know, whatever, as long as I knew what I needed to learn. And so um, with UX design, it was the same thing. It was just like, just figure it out. It's a problem to solve it, you know? Um, and I think because I had that confidence and I, you know, a little extroverted. <laughs> so, <laughs> just, a, just a little bit. Just a little <laughs> I think that like kind of uh, caught the eye of one of the guys there, um, Noah Heller. He was producing, I feel like he's this big, I, he's not a producer, but I feel like he's like a producer kind of guy. And he was like, I think you could be the executive, um, I think you could be the user experience director here and like put together a team and blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, chill. All right. That sounds like a lot of fun, actually. <laughs> Sign me up. Yeah. And um, and it was so fun because I got to hire, I had so much money, you know, to hire people. Like, <laughs> Yeah, you get that budget. Yeah. And you're just like, okay. Uh, so I like, one of my friends that I worked with at Tribal in Dallas, I always knew he loved video games. He's an amazing art director. I was like, hey, would you ever like move to LA and be a an art director on Call of Duty? And he was just like, okay, but that's a huge <laughs> move, you know? Yeah. And then, um, and then I asked a friend who I was freelancing with. She was a user experience designer, Christina, and I asked her to join. And there was another designer that I worked with at another freelance gig and he always wanted to do UX design and kind of did it already. And then I brought him on. I had an art director friend that I worked with at DDB and he loved video games. So I brought him on and it was just this like fun crew of unicorns, like people who were just good and sounds awesome. Love to play video games. <laughs> Did you play video games yourself? No. I mean, the most I did before <laughs> that was Guitar Hero and Wii. Like, you know, I'm yeah. like, I don't know first-person shooters, but um, in order to get respect from the developers, you have to, like, know the lingo. You need to play. And they'll look you up. They'll look up your username. And the um, main creative director um, from, cre uh, from Call of Duty, like, he was like, why aren't you playing my fucking game? Like, <laughs> you know? Get in there. 
get in there, right? And so I, I came home with an Xbox and a PlayStation, and I told my husband, who does not play video games, especially first-person shooters because he gets really motion sick. <laughs> but nice. I was like, we have to play video games or we're not going to hang out because that's all I'm going to be doing at night for the rest of this year. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool though. So he like, he learned how to play. And so we played, I played so much. I play, I know I played at least 140 hours worth of Call of Duty. Wow. That's commitment right there. That's crazy. Did you, I mean, I, I'm guessing that may have not stuck since leaving Activision playing video games. It's so addicting. Um, yeah. And, yeah, it is. You know, and like we, I mean, hours would just fly by. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I, and then I remember there's, we also played other games like Starcraft. And I remember this one time, Daniel and I, my husband, we were like in the kitchen and I was just like, yo, dude, you know, I thought you might have my back when, cause I was like trying to, you know, mine so that I could have void rays, but like you weren't there. <laughs> And it was like three o'clock in the Come morning. Come on, Daniel. <laughs> totally. Totally. You're like, I don't know if this relationship is working out anymore. You know, I, I really thought you were going to be for me on that on that map. But <laughs> So are you working solely on Call of Duty? Like, what does that encompass? You know, not just obviously getting the lingo and learning the, the culture of the game, but like, you know, what are some of the projects that come along with that? Oh, wow. Okay. So the whole, this whole project is... Is and this isn't Activision isn't the only big company that's trying to do mm -hmm. this. Every huge company at this point is trying to be the next big startup, you know? So they're all investing in their own little mini startups internally. And so Activision had uh, Bobby Kotick, who was like the guy at Activision, he was like, I want the Netflix of Call of Duty. <laughs> and we were all like, the fuck does that mean <laughs> sorry <laughs> yeah no no t swearing is totally okay on here everyone but for real though now. right yeah <laughs> i feel like you know when you're in a big company the high up exact senior leadership whatever they figure out they pull a name off the like the the newest startup and they're like we want to be this company of cpg or video games or whatever and you're just like yeah, but you're it's totally different. You, know, you can't just like throw a name on there and be like, yeah, we want to get there. Right. They're really just speaking to like the amount of money that company is making or whatever it is. Well, and I think it didn't make sense why we existed in, in a way, because to me, like the Netflix of Call of Duty was maps, like more extensions, more like versions of Call of Duty. Right. Like, um, but like we're we were web people. So you know, what were you going to do? Like build an interface for that? Like, that's dumb. That's like, <laughs> you, know, you don't yeah. really need that. Um, so we had to kind of figure out what that was. And we tried lots of things. Um, we like, were talking about at that time there, like esports was becoming a thing. Um, and I really started feeling super passionate about that, especially because I was playing so much Starcraft. And at the time, <laughs> Starcraft was just like killing it, right? Like, yeah, you remember yeah. all those Koreans? They were just like- I played. Oh, yeah. Okay, so so that was really just taking off. And I felt like, you know, after playing StarCraft, I was like, what was missing is that there isn't this um, 
sense of strategy. There isn't this like common knowledge. The same thing about like the lingo that you need to talk to someone else about Call of Duty. Um, It's the same thing. Like you need to know what the strategies are in football to appreciate like watching and playing a game. And so we needed to create different ways that people could play and strategize and argue about and um, (laughs) reanalyze a Call of Duty game. So that was kind of like what our pitch was. And we built this, I'm telling you, man, we built this amazing (laughs) website that was just like, had stats of the wazoo, like wazoo. And I would go onto YouTube and I would go into all these forums. They hated that. I did this because Call of Duty, Activision, they want NDAs, you know, about everything. And so I would go and I would find people that like, were stat junkies about Call of Duty and I would go pick their brain or invite them to come in so we could interview them and just ask them about like, what is it that like, what's your dream scenario in terms of, in terms of stats, in terms of like how you can analyze a game. And so we made all these awesome charts and like, it was really great. And then I just like the politics, I mean, while it sounds amazing, the entire time was just a struggle because you know, they're looking at us like kids trying to convince them that like, you know, this is the next thing, but they're not really seeing it and also not believing it and also not confident in themselves. And so everything's changing all the time. There's all this politics. People are getting fired all the time. It was just like chaos, but then it was also fun. So (laughs) (laughs) after a while, it just came to a head when my boss left and then the new guy came in. We finally, we were butting heads, but then we finally, he, we like understood each other, but then he got fired because that's what they do. And then they hired another person over me because they were like, she's the problem. And then he just didn't, we just didn't gel. Like he just, it's not, we were just not the same kind of um, creative, same kind of designer, unfortunately, or didn't have the same vision for it. And then I had to leave because I was like, actually, I remember he brought me in and he was like, he was so mad at me and I was so mad at him. And he was like, Puno, you need to tell me right now, do you want to be a leader here or do you want to be a follower? (laughs) It's a weird question to ask. Well, because I was, I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. It is a weird question. And I, but I responded, I was like, dude, I cannot be a leader here. If I'm a leader here, I'm doing the things that I feel confident in, but you're telling me all the time that they're wrong. So I'm going to be a follower here if I'm going to stay. And then at that moment, I was like, I can't stay here. That's a really, I mean, that's a really great response though, right? Like being honest. And I mean, I think, I feel like I've had that moment at times where internally 
I'm like, I can't, I can't function the way you want me to just because of the environment, you know, like, it's just not going to be like, you want me to be this like courageous person that like galvanizes the crew. But at the same time, it's like somewhat depressing to be here. And it doesn't really get me energized to do that work. So you sort of fall in line at the end of the day. And eventually you kind of, I mean, me personally, I've, I've just gone down the path of like, all right, I need to leave. I need to like go find something else that like kind of sparks that, that light inside of me again. I, and I think that that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. I, I also like was so mad and I was so, you know, when I left Activision, I, I was really, I made a lot of generalizations about what had happened. And I blamed that it was a big company. I blamed that it was a corporation. I blamed that it was, that he was a man or, and, or whatever. And really at the end of the day, he, he and I just had different ideas about the culture about what we wanted to design about all those things. And if we weren't able to agree as leadership, it just wasn't going to happen. And I think that, you know, as a freelancer now, as an independent, I'm so much more aware of my deal breakers of like my terms of what, what direction I want to take things that we can leave these gigs. Now we're not so no, like no job or, or project is so high stakes anymore. It's like, you know what, at the end of the day, like if it doesn't work out, I'm just going to end the contract or we won't renegotiate or blah, blah, blah. But, but when you're at this job and you're like, you know, it's just so much more high stakes and you just feel stuck. Um, and so I think that's like what I'm really appreciating about what's going on with Corona. Like what, what's going on with the world right now. We're all becoming more service-based. We're all figuring out freelancing now. Um, and we're all getting our own sense of agency about what we want versus being like, I don't want that. You know, like you're not giving me what I want. Actually more so that the like blaming of, of like, I used to blame him. I blame him for why I was so unhappy. And I was like, it's not all his fault. Totally. <laughs> you know, it's like, I it just don't, we just don't fit. No, I think, you know, like going, having the the maturity and responsibility to look back on that and realize that I think is something we, we kind of all come to over time. Right. And I think that's great. Do you, at this point, so you're leaving Activision, is this when you sort of just decide like you're going to go independent? Mm-hmm. And what's next for you then? So my husband had already quit a few years back and um, really dove back into programming and um, learning everything he wanted to learn. And so we did a few projects together um, and was just like, well, I know design and UX and you know how to code. So maybe we could do something. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're already married. Like, let's do this. Yeah. And so we did, we like decided to, gosh, I remember when we were first trying to figure out what we wanted to work on. We had like this, this like moleskin, of course, of ideas and wrote them all out in columns and had secondary ideas under the bigger ideas. And whichever one had the most ideas, we just wanted to work on that one. <laughs> Okay, cool. Do you find that... That was not the best way to go about it. 
Sure. Do you find, um, I'm guessing, do you still kind of collaborate with your husband on projects? Do you, are you guys currently kind of like working together a lot? Yeah, there was a moment um, where we made another app called People Map, and Daniel basically took that and had to run with it. There wasn't really much more for me to do. Uh, there was also a moment where we realized that this business sucks in terms of we don't know if Facebook, because it was very reliant on the Instagram API, and we weren't sure if it would just shut off one day. So I then had to like go and I really built out Isle of Creatives. So there's a moment where we were separate. And then just recently we shut down um, People Map in October. And um, now Daniel's full-time Isle of Creatives. So now we're back working together. Very cool. So People Map was the kind of platform that you used. You dug into the Instagram API to kind of analyze influencers for people that are, say, building brand campaigns and influencer campaigns and things like that. Um, it's very cool looking. I, I, you know, I think, again, I really admire the your kind of ability to just, for what it seems like, you just have this idea, you go out and make it, you launch it very quickly, and everything is done tastefully. You know, I think like that's, that's a lot of the time where Whoa, working in- be- <laughs> That's so funny that you say quickly because in my mind, it was not quick. <laughs> sure, sure. I mean, maybe, and maybe, maybe it wasn't. Um, but, you know, I think like working in tech and product today myself, like, you know, you see all these great ideas and there's always that component as a designer you see missing out. You know, you see that kind of quality and polish that a designer and the engineer are able to put together when they collaborate, but you see some of those, um, some of those moments that are missing. So people map, I think like, um, you know, very wise in that sense to, to realize that it's reliant on another company and that could disappear at any moment. Um, maybe could you tell me like, explain, you know, what is, I love creatives? What is sort of the mission? How does that, how does that kind of come about? Yeah. So when I first made Isle of Creatives, um, it I, it was a newsletter. And it was because it was really hard to figure out like what's going on with the creative world. Because um, we were all just figuring out Instagram at that moment. And um, Facebook was like also kind of meh, you know. And so, and LinkedIn wasn't really the place for us to really you know, have, I I don't, it's more like a, you know, a place for resumes. So we made this newsletter, my friend Eva and I, and um, just built it on over the weekend, Squarespace, MailChimp. That was it. And um, at that time, just like had been giving away ads and like having people put ads in these ads were like jobs that people um, had or services that they offered or events or just random stuff. And so we ran that every week. I, I mean, we've been running this newsletter every week since 2015. Still to this day. Till this day. Wow. And I promise you, like, that is the only reason why it exists. <laughs> <laughs> because there was this this actual like piece of content, consistent piece of content that was relatively easy to create. Um, people wanted it. And, you know, as long as it existed, people would open it. 
And what, what was in the, the newsletter? It was usually. just like the jobs and the events or the things that other people did. I Most of the things, the ads that are on I Love Creatives, I don't even know the people who put them up there. Nothing. So I think the other thing that was really nice about it was that it wasn't corporate. It was because there's a lot of like job boards, right? That are very like Squarespace is looking for a designer or Uber is looking, you know, it's, it's like these big companies that can afford those ad sp- spaces. This was more like a lot of indie designers or, um, C- indie CPG brands or fashion is, you know, it's like the, a small guys. And I think that what I love creatives tends to attract, which is what I am and what I was at the time too, are like slashies that, are ready for something new and are looking to see what else is out there. And we kind of are the, what else is out there. So, um, I think that's what we did. And I always kind of forget that sometimes. And whenever I remember it, then I'm like, Oh my God, there's so much stuff we could do for this group of people, this community. And so I would just throw crap on that website (laughs) that I thought would be helpful. So like one day I threw up this spreadsheet that I created when I was freelancing that just helped me figure out my rate and figure out how to um, manage my time. And then uh, I added like an, an Instagram course that I was like, I think people might enjoy this and <laughs> just really just threw up whatever I thought would be helpful for people like us. So that's kind of what I Love Creatives started off as. And then there was this one moment when, you know, this whole time I'm bootstrapping this business because um, it takes, it took a while to build up people map. And I was, I was freelancing as a Squarespace designer and, um, I got, you know, I got to the point where I needed help, which is amazing as a Squarespace designer. And so I put a job ad out on my own on I Love Creatives and I got a ton of submissions, but not a lot of them were super great. And I think I was kind of, I was like bummed, but I was also like, whoa, (laughs) because I was bummed because I felt bad for these people who wanted this gig and they're not going to get it. And this is my website. I also felt bad for whoever puts jobs up. Like how, you know, don't you want like a ton of really great applicants too? And then I just felt like, I, I mean, I felt like there wasn't really a place for these people to learn this specific, very specific skill, you know, that's still not that easy. Like it's still nebulous and um, you can't just watch a Skillshare or maybe you can now, but um, so I was like, maybe I should make a course just for Squarespace design because I know for me, it was like, great. It, It like hit all the boxes that I needed to make money and not feel overwhelmed and, you know, feel fulfilled and blah, blah, blah. So, um, so I, but at the same time, this is when online courses are like on a rise and there's all these like cringy online education out there. And I was just like, I don't know if I want to do this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, totally. I mean, I, like 
it's crazy. A lot of the, you know, influencers that I watch on YouTube, you know, may, whatever, um, other people in the design kind of industry that have put out other courses and things like that. You know, I, I get that sense that it's, it just feels very the same, you know, and I think what as a designer and having a kind of ear down to the, to the market and what it's doing, it's like, there needs to be more of that. Like, this isn't just a, a course, this is like a platform, you know? And like, I'm seeing more of that gravitation. I think, um, there are two videographers that used to work for one of the big media companies and they did a course on photography, but it's not just a course. It is like a, a platform for global, you know, like students or global photographers. Like, you know, there's all these different kind of hybrids or, sort of like, as you were saying, like slashies parts coming into this, like, you know, this product. Yeah. And at first, you know, I, I didn't like that. Like I didn't like, not that specifically you're the photographers coming in, but just the, um, the cringiness of it. But I actually also loved it because it democrat it's democratizing education right? It's allowing anybody to, to do it. And we're just at the beginning of it. So it's a little rocky, right? And people aren't understanding like exactly how to market themselves, how to create curriculum that sticks and how to, you know, just make an amazing, become an amazing teacher. And so I feel like that because there's stuff that people are like, what the is that? I think when I, when I got like, I think it was the first time that we launched and I was the only person that was doing customer support. So I was answering all of these questions about this course that I'm creating, right? And I, w- I was just so amazed because I don't remember ever asking these kinds of questions when I was in college. Like I just went in the freaking course directory, read a paragraph and then picked that course, you know, like I didn't, I didn't say like, what am I going to get out of this? Like what's, what's, what's the, like, what tools do I need? Like, who are you? Like all the, you know, I didn't ask any of those questions. And so I think that is kind of one of the even better parts about online education is that there is this, um, this like sense of like autonomy, like you can do and learn from whoever you want and you can, investigate and see if they're the right person for you. And if it's not, you can go find another photographer or another videographer that you really admire. And I think that that is the best part about this whole thing. And I think like we have just created this gigantic university. It's just getting started, you know? It's very cool. So I guess maybe the, is the plan to kind of continue to grow that sort of branch or that, that part of I Love Creatives? Oh, yes. I mean, education is so incredibly fulfilling and so hard. You know, like it's, it's very, we have so many different students that come and take our course. And of course, there's, you can always make education that is really transactional. You know, it's like, hey, this is a hard skill or this is a lecture and blah, blah, blah. But if you really want to teach somebody, how to learn or how to um, have confidence to learn. Like that is really, really hard and you need a really hard project in order for someone to do that. And I don't think I've cracked it either. I feel like 
with some people I might have, but not with everybody because everybody learns differently and everybody has their own hangups and everybody has their own mindset issues and everybody has their own technical, their own hardware. Like some people are working on freaking old ass laptops. Like there's just so many problems to solve when it comes to education. But what's the same is when people learn how like to learn and they tell you like, oh my gosh, I like this course gave me confidence. Oh, every time that happens, I'm just like, me? <laughs> Tear up a little bit. You know, it just kind of hits you. It hits different. It hits so different because, you know, as I'm sure you feel this way as a designer, we're so far from the consumer. Like we're, we're, we never talk to them face to face. We, we never have anything also that's packaged, like, like a song, you know, it's not like when people see design, it's, that's, I think why people love like chairs and like they love print because it's like this tangible, like finite thing that you can just cherish. But designers have like websites that have lots of pages and emails and, you know, user experience. And it's not, it's really hard to just, you know, get that feeling from really quickly. Um, so now we have to create experiences and we have to create like many journeys with people. So I think that's like the really cool thing about seeing a lot of designers. Like I, I wish we could make everybody a designer, like a, at least a web designer, you know? I would love that. Right? I feel like everybody, if everybody needs to learn how to write, everybody needs to learn how to draw and everybody needs to learn how to make a website. Because yeah. once you learn how to make a website, you can connect with people. Especially now, like I feel more and more of that democratization. You know, you see companies like GoDaddy, obviously Squarespace, they're trying to make it more approachable and less sort of scary. And I do think, you know, as a designer, I feel privileged in a way that like I have this sort of mentality of like I can almost make anything like I can fake it enough to make it seem real. And I feel like more people would benefit from that at times. Obviously, you know, they go in different directions and they don't have that sort of same thinking or skill. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. I, I mean, I feel like, do you know Tiny Capital? No. Um, so I was talking to Andrew and he, he's the founder of it. And he, um, he was a designer and he was like, I love designers because designers, especially like designers that are freelancers, because like we know how to sell our work and we know how to build, does build things from other people's ideas. Like that's all our training is. That's all we do all the time. And so once we've learned that, which is, you know, you gotta, you gotta put in some work and some hours because then you have to then establish your taste and that takes time. Then you can start building your own ideas, which you're, you've got all these tools now, like all of this, the soft skills and the hard skills to, to like really see something come to life. Um, and I think like we're just at the cusp or like we're just at the beginning of being able to do that. And I was talking to a friend about this because I was like, I feel like we are a hundred percent moving to creative independence, you know, like there there's going to be so much more autonomy and 
everybody is going to be so like less reliant on employers because it's going to be easier to find new gigs. We're already complaining or like the older guys are already complaining about loyalty. I'm like, yeah. sorry, <laughs> that's just, that's just how it is now. I can find a job in like, you know, a second, as long as you're good, you can move on around um, and lucky. And um, I think that like, what what's going to happen is everyone is just going to be able to say like, Oh, I want to build this thing, but I don't know how to code. Well, let me find a programmer. And it's like, okay. Or I need to add, um, payment systems. Oh, let me just add a plugin. So we're all like, just going to be collaborating so much more on this crazy level. We're already doing it like with plugins, code snippets, resources, education, like we're all like learning from each other and like collaborating with each other. But I think once we all get on the same page about that, then everybody's going to have autonomy and everybody's going to be able to just do whatever the freak they want to do. <laughs> you know? No, I, I mean, it's, it's so cool to see like, you know, um, like there, I, I don't think I've had I've only had a few guests that were kind of like in the UX product design space. And I think you bring such a passion about collaboration and, and sort of having that, um, that kind of ambition to like collaborate more and more and more, you know, when you hit those walls and you don't have, you don't have the skills yourself. It's like reach out, find the people that you can connect with to really foresee, you know, see this goal out. Yeah. I think, I mean, in my Instagram course, I think the biggest takeaway honestly, is how to talk to strangers. <laughs> yes. Honestly, I think that like everybody's like, I want to learn how to grow and go viral. I'm like, well, go find another freaking course because that's not what this one teaches you. That's very cool. I, it's, that's like a superpower in a way. And I feel like, um, you know, my, my mother would describe me as someone that could walk in a room uh, full of strangers and walk out with at least one friend, you know? So I think it's funny you say that because I, I do think in a way it is a superpower, right? Because it's like, you have to kind of get over being uncomfortable. And that's not easy for a lot of people at times. Like, you know, when I was younger and in school, I would have like the social anxiety and like get way too drunk in the first five minutes or something like that. You know, like obviously it takes practice. Um, but yeah, like that is, that is such a key thing at times to, or a skill to have at times. So how did you learn to transition to the guy that figures out how to talk to anybody? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think like, I, I guess it sort of started when I was young, you know, like I was sort of, uh, there's probably a lot of, of reasons why I was the shortest in my group of friends. So I felt like I had in a way nothing to lose. Um, when it came to like hanging out and, and stuff like that, I guess I was, I was made fun of a good amount. Um, and I, I sort of just like kind of owned that as I grew up. Um, you know, I think like uh, being able to like understand or realize your weaknesses or the things that, you know, you don't think are so great about yourself and just like sort of like in a way overcome them, I guess, you know, like now I feel like when I when I go to talk to someone or when I go to introduce myself, I uh, kind of just don't care if they think of what they think about me, you know, like there's there's a big part of that. Um, so I think, yeah, maybe that sort of helped has helped over time and has grown into that kind of superpower, I guess. I mean, it's always like the simplest, but the most all encompassing thing you have to get over, you know, 
Yeah. It's just, yeah, absolutely. It's just so simple, but it's just like, oh, it's everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It kind of just follows you through. And, and, and yeah, you know, now, I mean, it's also, I think like in, in the younger ages, you know, my friends would go dare me to go talk to this girl at the time or whoever it was. And you sort of like, that was sort of the crash course, I guess, or like the practice (laughs) of being like, okay, I'm going to say something really stupid or something embarrassing, or like this person's not going to like, is going to think I'm an idiot. And funny enough, like now, obviously having matured, having grown up, I know how to sort of introduce myself or start a conversation in a way that doesn't come off as creepy or whatever it may be, you know, like as, as offending or is, is a little bit more at ease or approachable. And I think, yes, over time, you know, obviously part of it starting this podcast has sort of been a practice for that as well. You know, before we end the episode, I would love to um, sort of ask you a question that I'm ending each episode on. So, um, you know, if you had to give your future self advice, even though we've gone through so much talking advice. about advice and things <laughs> like that, is there anything in the in the things that we just talked about or something, you know, something new that you would kind of offer up to the person, you know, you from, say, in 10 years from now or five years from now or whatever it may be? Mm, I love the future self, you know. Everyone's always the past. Yeah, everyone's like talks about it's like you actually can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I haven't had anyone say that quite yet, but so I'm, I'm hoping how, that's okay. I wonder how far we should go. Let's just say a minimum of a year or two years. Oh, wow. Pretty soon. I would, yeah, I think, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm also sort of realizing that I'm, I thought I have patience or I had patience. And I think over time I'm realizing that it's really hard. It's really, really hard to, to not get the answers that you're looking for immediately. So I would even say like, for me, I'm trying to make it through a year next week, a day. So I think, you know, being, being, um, a little bit, uh, grateful for a year from now would be, would be awesome. Mm, I think, okay, it's good. I I mean, I agree. I feel like, I feel like two, one or two years is realistic and tangible enough that you could say something. I would say, um, uh, it's, it's your time now or it, it was, it's your time now in the, right now in the, uh, in the past. Um, and I hope you enjoyed it. I'll take it. I like that. <laughs> um, Puna, where can, where can people find you find more about you? I know uh, we, for, we didn't get to talk about this, but I know, um, you did like a magic spoon kind of video review. Oh my and God, I love people that. love the magic spoon <laughs> thing. I loved, I loved, I loved the, uh, approach to that, but you know, where can people connect with you and see all these great things that you're doing and, and, you know, any of the other projects that you're, you, you know, you are working on right now? Well, it's all on my Instagram, <laughs> Puno Dos Trace, and then, um, my, I love creatives.com. That's I'm like all over that. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, and that's pretty much it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Puno, for coming on and being a guest on WellFed. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having awesome. me. <laughs> <laughs> This podcast is produced by me, John Sarantino, out in Jersey City, New Jersey. Editing, mixing, and music are all done by my friend, Kevin Bendis in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. Definitely check him out.
You can find out more about WellFed and where to listen at wellfedpodcast.com or on social media at WellFedPodcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you soon.